The title of my sermon is The Discipline of Fun. This, was, this idea was sparked out of a conversation that I had with somebody that I love so much. And we're both a part of a group um, where we do some things together and I'm often asked to lead some games or icebreakers. And she is expressed to me, you know what, Meredith, like, oh, I love that you're the fun one, but also you have so much wisdom and depth and I want everyone to be able to experience that. And so, you know, I hope that you are able to do something else in this group as well. And I understood where she was coming from. And I appreciate that she wanted, you know, everyone to see all the different sides of me. But I said, you know what? I actually don't mind being the fun one because I don't think it's less of a contribution. I actually think it's one of the most important things that we do as a group. And so today, as we explore this idea, why is fun important? I believe that it's not just a distraction, that it's not just a youthful activity, that it's not something we reserve when we're a teenager in the youth group, but it is actually strategic and spiritual and deeply moving. And I believe that having fun is important to our growth, so much so that we need to practice it consistently. It shouldn't be an afterthought. It should be a discipline in our lives. So as we jump in here today, I just want to clarify, okay? As we unpack this, we're going to talk about how it's a good thing and how it's a God thing. But if it's a God thing, God's never going to go against his word. So... As we're going throughout this conversation, I am in no way advocating for us to indulge ourselves or to go outside the boundaries that God has set for us, because we have to live according to his word, right? So everything that we do needs to be stewarded and needs to be covered by the word of God. For example, y'all, it's holiday season, okay? We're about to turn up, but we know that we're not going to drink until we black out because the word of God says that we do not get drunk. So we need to say, okay, as we're listening to this conversation, how am I making sure that I'm still falling between the boundaries that God has set? Do you know what? There are some people also that they fall on the other side of things and they've written off fun altogether in the name of religion. And they think that it's childish and inappropriate, and to avoid any kind of sin, they're just going to stay away from everything. And so now they've become boring and stoic and, you know, greater faith means greater gravity. Everything must be intense. But, I mean, that's no one here, right? Because North Place, we know how to have fun. We have a lot of fun. More often, our problem is that life does what it does and we get stressed. And then something else happens, and we get more stressed. And all of a sudden, we've hit our limit, and now we're only doing what's necessary so that we can hold ourselves together, and we're trying to relieve that stress by being more productive so that we can create more margin, so that hopefully it'll create more rest. But somehow we find that it's not lessening the load. But fun allows us to rest from the daily pressures of life. See, the pendulum of work and play goes back and forth, and that is so important. 
Because if we stop the motion and we get stuck in one place or another, we're missing out on something that we need. So our jobs, and they give us purpose, and, and they give us goals to shoot for, and motivation, and, and it challenges our brains, but play offers that rest that we need. It refreshes our soul, and it builds that energy back up, and that way we have the energy that we need to go back into work. So fun and playfulness, it should be a part of our Sabbath. So when you're thinking about your Sabbath time, are you just making sure you have time to sleep? Are you working in times that you can enjoy, times that you can have fun? Because our souls need lots of different things to refresh. And we were never made to carry all the burdens of the world. So sometimes we need a break from social media. Sometimes we need a break from being productive and just time to just be. In John 10.10, 10, it says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. See, the enemy, he often takes things that are God-ordained, like work, like our families, and he uses them to stress us out a little bit. And then he begins to pile on those burdens and then we're so distracted because we're trying to think about all the things that we have to overcome and we forget to pay attention to each other. But God never meant for us to live as though we're like barely keeping our head above the water, constantly burnt out, wondering when, when we get a break. He wants us to find peace and joy in the midst of chaos. He wants us to learn stewardship and boundaries. He wants us to be content and to enjoy this life that he's given us. Fun helps us to embrace the fullness of life here on earth. When we take time to do something that we enjoy, it stops producing the stress chemicals in our brains for a minute. And it actually starts restoring those depleted resources that stress takes away. And then we have these positive emotions that are coming from the chemicals and hormones. Now, all of those positive emotions are helping in improve our mood, improving our sleep, improving our memory. So when we had RFK camp, all right, let me see my RFK people. Where are you at? Let's go. We all had to play that game so that we could remember people's names, right? Because we, had, we also had the missions team that was there, so we had extra people. And I was so thankful for that game so that we weren't just walking around like, what's up, man? Yeah, girl, I, I got you. No, we had a chance to actually learn each other's names. And sometimes you need that game, that playfulness for it to actually stick in your mind. This is why Kids Church, they have motions when they do their worship songs. I bet you they remember their songs way better than we do on a Sunday because those things stick in their brains when they're doing all of their things, you know? I know their songs better than I know these ones. Just kidding. Um, when, you, <laughs> when you teach somebody a lesson, sometimes it's helpful when we 
um, put it to a song or we weave it into a story. Maybe we create a movie or a video. There's so many different creative ways that we can help things stick in our brains. And we need to acknowledge that those things are so helpful to us in our growth. Does anybody remember the Donut Man? Or is this just, okay, thank you. Yes, Donut Man growing up. This is how I learned scripture, okay, as a kid. The Donut Man sang all the songs, and then I didn't even realize, but I was learning the Bible. And that is such a powerful way for us to learn what God says to us. In Proverbs 17, it says, A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Listen. We all know laughter is the best medicine, right? Laughter is good for us physically, emotionally, spiritually. It is actually medicine for our souls. Do you know it actually can take away pain because it relaxes all of your muscles and it actually increases your heart rate and your oxygen intake so you're literally becoming healthier every time you laugh. So... As much as we need to work out and we need to read our Bibles and we need to do all of the things, y'all need to be laughing regularly. And if you're not, find a friend that's funny, okay? <laughs> Become besties because it's for your health. You need it. Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice so that we could experience life to the full. A life of peace, a life of love, of freedom, of healing, of satisfaction, of purpose, and of joy. He wants that for us. Even when we deal with overwhelming circumstances, we can still experience God's joy. Which takes us to our next point. Because we know that joy is a fruit of the... It's a fruit of the Spirit. So... If we're experiencing, if we're exhibiting joy, then we're reflecting God's character on the earth. So having fun actually helps us to know God better. Because we get to see a piece of God every single time that you laugh. Every single time that you smile, we get to see a little bit of who he is. Every single time that you exclaim exuberantly, or you serve cheerfully, or you're just enjoying what's in front of you, we get to see a little bit of who God is in that. Because our creative God, which, because he made us in his image, and he's a creative God, that means you are creative. After he finished creating the world, he sat back, he looked at all that he did, and he enjoyed it. Let's read it in Genesis 131. It says, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. He saw what he did, and he appreciated it. He delighted in it. Did you know that God delights in you? He does. Psalm 147.11 says, the Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. His people, the ones who choose the Lord, that choose to follow him, that choose to step into his family, they bring us, we bring him 
immense joy. He delights in us. And there's probably no other passage that so clearly shows how God delights in and celebrates his people than Luke 15. Does anybody remember what's in Luke 15? No worries, I'm about to tell you. So Jesus tells three different parables, okay? He says, they're not going to get it with just one, so let me tell three about the same thing so they really let it sink in. And he starts with a shepherd who is cheerfully carrying a sheep on his shoulders, and he's bringing them back to the flock all the way home. Then he also talks about a woman who loses a coin, and then she finds the coin, like a coin, guys. And when she finds the coin, she invites all of her neighbors over, and she's like, come celebrate with me. I found this coin. Y'all, I better be getting some invitations, okay? (laughs) that we're all getting excited about finding the stuff that we lost. Okay, then also, and this is the most famous one, the one that maybe most of us know, is that there is also a father who embraces his wayward son after he finds his way home. And when his son comes home, he throws a huge feast. He throws a party. In Luke 15, 7, it says, This is Jesus' explanation about all these things that he just told us about. I tell you, in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Y'all, heaven throws a party when people accept salvation and they enter into his family. Like, every single time someone says, Lord, forgive me. I'm giving up my old life. I choose to follow you. You know what happens? Peter fires up the bry. Gabriel gets the beats going. Okay? Elijah's like getting his best outfit, like ready to go. Jesus gets on the mic. Y'all ready for this? Who's partying with me right now? Thank you. Yes, it is popping in heaven. They are excited. Lights are flashing. Colors are swirling around. There's a group of angels over there that's like creating a cheer for the person. They're like, yes, Kevin, you made it to heaven. Like, they are excited. (laughs) Guys, God is not afraid to party. He celebrates like there's no tomorrow because he's not in space or time. But he is so excited anytime somebody enters into the kingdom of God. Do we share that same excitement? This is why, if you're new here, this is why every time we have baptisms, we're cheering. Because life change is happening. And we can't wait to tell everybody about it. There was a group of us that we um, went to Cape Town last week on a missions trip. 
and they had a baptism service on the Sunday that we were there. We didn't even know any of the people. And we were all crying. And we're just looking at each other like, this is so amazing. It doesn't matter if we know who we are. We know that they just made the best decision that they will ever make, not only in their life, but in all of eternity. And that's why we get pumped up and fired up. Because we're following Jesus' example. Because we know God the Father's up there bumping, ready, saying, yes, you are now a part of the family of God. When we see something good, do we acknowledge it? When there's something worth celebrating, are we also celebrating? Or... Are we unknowingly missing out on enjoying the fullness of life that's right in front of us? God, I pray that you open our eyes so that we can see like you. And I'll pray you help us loosen up so we can party like you. Thank you. Yes. Well, amen to that. But probably one of my favorite parts of having fun is that it helps us to get to know each other. A huge benefit is the way that it brings people together. It breaks down walls. It helps people to take risks and try things that maybe they normally wouldn't try. Maybe they became a representative and they never liked to stand in front of people. I mean, Wednesday was our young adult Christmas party, and some of our games brought out people's aggressive side. And, like, people that are quiet and soft-spoken, like, they're running across the room and, like, dodging people and stuff. And I'm like, who are you right now? And we only see those sides of people when... They're doing something fun, something that they don't realize is helping them connect and bond in a different way. Even our game this morning, okay, we're working together. Did you know everybody around you that you were having to make decisions with? So now, look, all of a sudden, you've already crossed a barrier, the one of not talking to that person ever before. So next week when y'all show up, you can see each other in the lobby, you're getting your coffee and your donut, and you're like, bro, that love song, right? Crazy. <laughs> By the way, what's your name? <laughs> and I'll be like, yeah, I know, man. We totally should have gotten that last one, right? Listen, you're already bonding. You're becoming friends. Fun having fun, doing things together, it builds trust. When we play, we have to solve problems that come along the way, whether it's, you know, how do we avoid the other team? Where does this puzzle piece go? You know, how do I create the best costume for this event? Shout out to the quiz night people. I'm still like, wow, those costumes were amazing. It forces us to work together as a team. And then we also, we become creative in the process. Did you know, also, that having fun 
helps people to let go of anger. It's kind of hard to be mad at someone when you're laughing with them, right? It helps us to more easily forgive each other. So, y'all, if you're having some difficulty, I mean, just work some humor into the conversation, okay? Just helping you with your conflict resolution there. But it, it works because it allows us to put our guard down. And any time that we are sharing emotionally, we bond with each other. So that could be crying, that could be laughing, whatever it is. It doesn't matter the emotion. But there is something that is so healing about laughter. And it can also unite people and heal resentment. And so when we do things that are fun together, sometimes it allows people that would never be in the same room to come together, to work together, and now they realize maybe they aren't so bad. Maybe this is a friendship that I can lean into. In Matthew 18, 2 through 4, Jesus called a little child to him, and he placed the child among them. And he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Y'all, the disciples more than once, they fought over who was the greatest among them. They wanted to know who was on top, okay? And Jesus constantly reminds them that the kingdom of God is upside down. The Lord wants us to humble ourselves. It's not about our position. It's not about our status. We're humbling ourselves and letting him be king. And so sometimes we need to humble ourselves and not take ourselves too seriously. Because if we are caught up in how we're perceived, in what position we want in the room, in who's looking at me and who's not, we're tied up in our own pride and embarrassment and, and shame. One of my biggest pet peeves, this is a silly example, but one of my biggest pet peeves is when people, they don't want to play games that they know that they're not going to win. Don't raise your hand if that's you. We probably already know. Because we played with you before. But it's like, chill out. Like, somebody's got to lose, you know? Why are we only playing the ones you're good at? What about the ones that I'm good at? we got to take turns. But the point is that it's not about us winning. Like, if every time that I lose a game, it's a hit to my pride, I have my priorities out of whack. Because it's not about me. It's about creating that opportunity for us to work together and to build community. And when our intent is to build community as the church, we need some easy on-ramps. And a lot of times that happens when we have fun. How can we make space for people who are not ready to just jump in the spiritual deep end? Okay? I mean, we have some things that happen at North Place already. Maybe somebody doesn't want to go to a Bible study right away, 
but they'll show up to one of our special events and they'll jump on the jumping castle. You know, we do this in young adults. We have socials because we know sometimes they need that invitation before they're ready to have the conversation. We have quiz night. We have different things that happen so that people can just have fun, create friendships, connect with people, and then when they have built that human relationship, that has to happen first before they're open to the God relationship. So we need to be creating those opportunities for people. We see um, some insight from the early church in Acts. Chapter 2, verse 46 and 47. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And I love the New Living Translation that also says, they shared their meals with great joy and generosity all the while praising God. There is something so powerful about having people in your home. You feed them. How many of us are willing to connect with people if there's food? We feed them, play some games, share stories about your family. Doing this requires vulnerability because you're bringing people into your safe space and that could either literally be your safe space of your home, or maybe you don't have, you know, a great home to invite everyone into, so you, like, meet at Starbucks or Nando's or something. But you're still requiring vulnerability of yourself to put yourself out there to be the true version of who you are. Allow them to see some of that so that they, too, can then open up. That's the best way that we build trust, that we create friendships, that we help people to take those walls down that they've put up to protect themselves. And we have to be creating opportunities like this if we want to fully be the body of Christ. So like we read here, there are times when we come together as a corporate body, there are moments that maybe we create here in this building, but it's not complete if we are not also connecting and extending beyond these walls. Part of our job as a body of Christ is extending outside of the church. And if we don't do that, then people are missing opportunities to grow and to mature in Christ. So what ways are you building or participating in community in your life? Are you hoping that somebody will invite you? Are you waiting for Pastor Meredith to make the plan? Or are you inviting people into your home and into your activities that you're already doing, helping them see what it means to be a community and to love each other like God loved us? You know, fun should also extend to our spiritual disciplines, like prayer, listening. What are our other ones? Daily 20. Worship, I heard you. And reading the Bible. Yes, thank you. Some people are paying attention. 
All of those things, we need them. They're amazing. They help us, they help us connect with the Lord. But they can become dull and lifeless if they are not done with a joyful spirit. God never wanted his relationship with us to be a bore. He doesn't want to be that guy that you're like, mm, I got to hang out with him again. I got to tag along the younger sibling. It's only an older sibling joke, I guess. <laughs> you know, when you guys start a new relationship, listen, even if you're married, at one point you were in a relationship, okay? So everyone can relate here. When you start a new relationship, you are so excited to be on the phone for hours and hours. Or texting, I know some people like don't call anymore, but whatever way, like you just wanna be talking all the time. And you can't wait to like learn more things about them. And then after you learn all the things, you can't wait to go back to the friend group and tell them every single detail again. We can't wait to talk about, to discover, to learn about who that person is. And God wants that same relationship with you. We should be excited to get to know him as we're reading our word. We're like, wow, oh my gosh, this is so him. You know, when he does something amazing in our lives, like we can't help but share it with everybody else. We want to tell them all the details. And when our hearts are overwhelmed by his goodness, then our innate response is to celebrate. And I know, standing up here, that I personally am naturally more expressive in the worship area. And God made us all different, and there's so many different ways to worship him. But let me just give you some insight into why I worship the way that I do. Because I want to express everything that I feel inside. I don't want to hold it in. I want him to see how much I love him. God is so good. He is so faithful. He has been there for me when I've been lonely. He has shown the way when I've been confused. I have freedom in him. And I don't want to be stuck behind my chair. I want to dance around so I can fully express that freedom that I experience in life with Christ. What would happen if we stopped caring about what the people around us thought? What if we believed that church could be fun and free? What if we let our walls down and were vulnerable around each other because we trusted each other as the body of Christ? What if we celebrated the way they do in heaven, but on a Sunday, and a Wednesday, and a Friday, and all the days in between? What if we felt the same way that David did when he wrote Psalm 100? 
Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. 